This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now on Saturday night in Istanbul, Manchester City won the Champions League for the first time. It meant that they uh, completed uh, treble, the Premier League, the FA Cup and the Champions League in one season. Only Manchester United had ever done that before in 1999. It's a magnificent achievement and they haven't stopped uh, celebrating since. Uh, But they are a club that has risen dramatically in the last couple of decades they were always a popular club, the city club, really, more than even than Manchester United. And But they've lived in Manchester United's shadow. But the arrival of Pep Guardiola and, of course, as important, the arrival of their backers from Abu Dhabi, which is, of course, a, a Middle East petro state, has transformed Manchester City. They are now undoubtedly the most powerful club in the Premier League and arguably financially in Europe. And many people are saying after Saturday that they may go on and dominate Europe. Pep Guardiola is the hero of this story. He will undoubtedly be remembered as a great coach, one of Europeans' greatest ever. He hadn't won the Champions League since he left Barcelona, which is a long time ago. And he had a great team with Lionel Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, and many other great players in it. But now he's won. He failed to win it uh, with Bayern Munich and with Manchester City. He's had some near misses. But now Pep is, as indeed his team will be, immortal. In last Saturday's Irish Times, there was a superb piece of journalism uh, about Guardiola. It was a profile, really. And its author, Richard Fitzpatrick, is a regular contributor to the stand. He lives in Barcelona and has lived and worked in Spain for a very long time. Richard, it was a great piece. We're very grateful to you for joining us today on the stand. There is no doubt that Pep Guardiola is a great football coach, but he is a complex figure and not everything in his life has been as admirable But let's look at the good news first. He did transform Barcelona. He did coach that great team. He is 
undoubtedly one of the great coaches, but he's also complicated and not particularly popular with many people. Let's begin where your piece in the Irish Times began with his relationship with his assistant coach at Barcelona when he started, Tito Villanova. They had been friends since they were kids at the Messiah, which is the legendary boarding school, La Messiah, where Barcelona bring their young players, including Lionel Messi when he was 13, coached them and prepared them to be serious footballers. That's where he met Villanova. Take the story up from there, Richard. Yeah, um, like people who have been to the Camp Nou Stadium can picture uh, probably where the La Masia is. It's this old farmhouse, a stone building on the left-hand side as you walk down towards the stadium. It's about a couple of hundred meters from the stadium. And that was the boarding house for the um, for the, uh, the young players at Barca. Uh, Pep Guardiola and Villanova would have been two of them in the 1980s later. Um, Puyol and Andres Iniesta and more. And, um, so those guys woke up in the morning, they looked out the window and there was the Camp Nou Stadium. They dreamed about playing there. One day, Bar- um, Guardiola was a ball boy famously on European Cup nights for Barca in the 80s. Um, his dream came true. He went on to captain Barca, was on the first Barca team that won the European Cup in 92, Cruyff's dream team. Didn't work out for uh, his mate Tito Villanova. He was a midfielder as well, like Guardiola. He drifted around in the in the second and third tiers of, of Spanish football for his career. But the, the, he, when he packed up playing, Villanova went back to Barca, tr- trained in the youth academy as a coach. He, he, he trained Cesc, Fabregas, uh, Pique, Messi when they were 14 years of age. So he was back in-house uh, at Barca when Guardiola returned after his travels. Uh, in 2007, he took over the B team, um, the reserve team at, at Barca. First guy he summoned was his old buddy, Villanova. Um, they discovered uh, Sergio Busquets, Pedro, both of whom they launched into the first team the following season when when they took over and um, the pair of them took over as head coaches of the first team in the summer 20, uh, 2008. And transformed is a good word you use there at the start when Guardiola and, and Villanova came in as co- head coaches in 2008. The team had, had finished 18 points adrift of Real Madrid that summer in, in the league title race um, they took bold decisions they bombed out um, Ronaldinho Deco they wanted to get rid of Samueletto they couldn't they, they got rid of him the following summer they re- rebuilt the team they got rid of Yaya Toure as well the following season um, uh, they bet on uh, Sergio Busquets a young academy kid instead and they built that great team that we know about the one you, you mentioned Messi and Iniesta Javi they went on to Extraordinary glories, 14 titles in, in four seasons. Then came the rupture in the, in April 2012. Guardiola announced that he was going to step down as head coach. And he was upset during the summer when um, Barca um, put in Villanova, his ex-assistant, as head coach. He felt it was a betrayal. Um, so the pair of them fell out. The following season went went well initially for Villanova. He ended the season as as if, um, winning the league title with a hundred points, a record tally. 
Um, but sadly, he fell ill with cancer mid, mid-season and he went to New York for treatment. Um, coincidentally, Guardiola was on a sabbatical that year, staying in New York. So he went to visit him one, once in, in hospital while he was getting treatment. And instead of words of comfort, there was more reproaches in, in their, in their conversation. Um, uh, Villanova's wife was there, as you can imagine. She was fiercely upset at, at, um, at the scene. She had a blazing row with Guardiola a few days later in Central Park. And Villanova then, that was, uh, the winter of 2013, 2013. Uh, February about 2013. The following year, um, sadly, Villanova passed away uh, in April 2014. People will remember it here vividly in Spain because uh, the week he died, Villanova died. Um, it was the Champions League semi-final time, um, April 2014. Real Madrid were playing Bayern Munich, Pep's Bayern Munich. He'd taken over as coach there at the time. They lost 1-0 in the Bernabeu on a Tuesday. Villanova passed away on the Friday. Um, people were wondering what would happen. Will uh, Guardiola come back for the, the funeral? You know, he used to prepare for the second leg, the comeback. Um, the, uh, Guardiola made plans to come back to um, to Barcelona for the funeral. According to El Mundo, um, which would be the most reputable newspaper in Spain, um, they claimed that uh, Guardiola tipped off the press to say he was coming back um, for the funeral, um, a big display. Villanova's widow phoned Guardiola and she told him, don't come back to this funeral, you're not welcome. So Guardiola um, um, stayed put, he didn't go to the funeral. It was uh, dreadfully sad. There's no winners in that, that story. No, it, it, at the time when he was on his sabbatical in New York and Villanova was in hospital being treated for cancer, it was rem- remarked upon that Guardiola only visited him the once. And the other uh, sort of mystery, Richard, is why Guardiola would have resented Villanova taking over from him as coach. It would seem almost natural, given that they had built that team together. Oh, and we've seen it many times in in sport ego. So with Clough and Taylor... um, Yep. The guy, you know, they don't. It happened with exactly the same situation happened with Johan Cruyff when he stepped down at Barca, or yes. he was sacked in '96 at Barca. His long-term assistant, they were exactly like um, Guardiola and Villanova, uh, Cruyff and Charlie Vreshak, a star player at Barca in the '70s with Cruyff. He was his right-hand man. They were inseparable. And they fell out uh, when Reshak took over at Barca as head coach. Um, it's very much worth pointing out, isn't it, that Guardiola is a protege of Johan Cruyff's. And Cruyff, uh, I have to say, I met Cruyff. I found him to be a charming, modest, brilliant man. Oh, yeah. He, he, Guardiola is John the Baptist to to. Um, to, to, to Cruyff. Uh, yes. Uh, he's, he, uh, in Guardiola's words, Cruyff built the temple. He's only adding on to it. Yes. Um, it's, it's all Cruyff's philosophy. He's the guiding light. He always has been for, um, yes. For uh, Guardiola. He was uh, there during that reign, four year reign. He had his head coach at Barca as the president's advisor. He would always go to him for counsel. Um, an extraordinary, uh, original thinker about football. Yes, I mean, just to, to move the story on, Guardiola, you write, has always been a divisive figure 
even in Catalonia, his home place, where he is revered by some as a former Barca captain and later as the coach of possibly the greatest football team in history, and vilified by others. Sandro Rossell, the president of Barca, where Guardiola quit as coach in 2012, called him the Dalai Lama behind his back because of his intense, joyless personality, you write. Yeah, there is. Um, Guardiola is a, a peculiar figure, a peculiar guy. He's kind of socially awkward. He He's very intense. Um, they used to call him the mystic um, as well. Uh, Sandro Rosea's directors, you know, joking behind his back. That, that annoys a lot of Catalan people, his kind of sanctimonious personality. I remember he, he got a, a, he was awarded a medal by the city council here in 2011, um, kind of a, a type of freedom of the city job. And in his speech, he started preaching to people, you know, kind of like um, Leo Varadkar saying, you know, if you get up early in the morning, you can achieve great things and stuff. <laughs> um, but that's that's not the big thing that uh, causes the division in in Catalonia, or well, more particularly in the city of Barcelona when it comes to Cruyff. It's more about his politics. Um, Guardiola is a is a hardcore Catalan separatist um, to his, uh, uh, you know, all, all respect to him, many people would say. But Catalonia is divided on this um, uh, separatist story. Half the population wants to divide or well, 40% wants to secede. The rest don't or they're down the middle and they don't want the, the hassle. Um, so it annoys people when he gets political about um, the situation in Catalonia, and especially because of his double standards. Um. Yes, I mean, the, the obvious uh, double standard is showing solidarity with Catalan political prisoners while working for Manchester City, a football club backed by Abu Dhabi, a country that has cracked down severely on political opponents since the Arab Spring in 2011, Guardiola argued that freedom of speech is somehow more valid in democratic Spain than in autocratic in an autocratic country like Abu Dhabi. And you you quote him as saying, "Every country decides the way they want to live for themselves. If he decides to live in that country, it is what it is. I am from a country with democracy installed." since years ago, and I try to protect that situation. However, you know, he has been, as you, you point out in your piece, uh, criticized for staying quiet about the authoritarian and worse uh, leadership, not just of Abu Dhabi, but also of Qatar, where, you know, he, he was paid for his role as an ambassador for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And there's an interesting story you tell about a, a woman, uh, Ines Arimadas. She's the leader of a liberal political party in Spain. Tell us that story, Richard. Yeah, this happened in 2019. So the, um, there was a, an illegal or uh, quote-unquote illegal referendum on Catalan independence here in 2017. And the guys who organized that, there was about 13 of them. Nine of those guys got sentenced. They were in, um, they were in prison for a couple of years, and then they got their sentence in 2019, which was um, 
they were released a, a year to a year later, I think it was. But at that time in 2019, when the prison sentences, severe, harsh, uh, 10, 12 year prison sentences came out, Guardiola weighed in immediately with a video message um, saying he was worried about Spain's drift towards authoritarianism. And this lady, Ines Ardemada, is the leader of the um, Citizens Party here in, in Spain. She said, look, um, I take offense to Guardiola's lies as a politician, um, quote unquote. You know, he's great at slandering Spain, but nothing about where he gets his money from Qatar, referencing that uh, paid ambassadorial role for the Qatar World Cup in 2022. Um, so she she was calling him out, and she she was well placed to do it because she's a Barca fan. You know, she had a, um, pictures of Guardiola in her school folder as a as a schoolgirl. You know, loved Guardiola yes. as a player and coach, but um, couldn't be listening to his hypocrisy. That's what she was saying. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, there's another issue that arises. He went to play in Italy uh, after he left Barcelona in 2001, and he played in Syria for two seasons with uh, Brescia and Roma. And in Italy, he twice tested positive for the anabolic steroid Nandrolone. Yeah, so he arrived that summer of 2001, left Barca, he had been struggling with injury all t uh, through the summer, only came back playing in October. Late October, he failed the first of two um, tests for Nandrolin, anabolic steroid, as you say. Um, the authorities prosecuted him. Uh, in his first case, he put up a defense of contamination. And um, 
in the in the in the doc was his doctor, his personal doctor for six or seven seasons at this stage, a guy called Dr. Ramon Segura. And he's a, a pivotal figure in, in Guardiola's story. Um, so he was questioned for three hours about this maintaining there was con- contamination of the of the bios, and the court didn't accept that. Guardiola got hit with um, uh, this four months uh, four months suspension from playing and a fifty thousand euro fine. Then um, there was a ch- there had been a change in in the law in Italy in two thousand, and uh, the authorities were allowed to prosecute criminally um, players who were caught for doping. So Guardiola became the first uh, criminal case in doping in Italy. And again, in the doc, again he changed doctors. This time, another doctor, a guy called um, Doctor Jordi Segura, same surname. He put forward a case that Guardiola had this rare uh, condition called Gilbert syndrome, um, which was responsible for the failed tests. Court didn't accept that. Guardiola got a seven months uh, sus- uh, suspended sentence and a nine thousand euro fine. Um, a couple of years later, then Man- Manel Estiarte, he's um, Guardiola's right-hand man, the, the Maradona of water, water polo. He represented Spain six times in water polo. He's in all the photos with with Guardiola celebrating with City at the weekend. And he noticed that WADA, the World Anti-Doping Authorities, had changed the regulation in 2005 to do with this um, anabolic steroid. Uh, it was a kind of a loophole and to do with the stability testing of the urine samples. So Guardiola went back to court, put forward his case, came to trial in, came to court in 2007. And this sliver of doubt uh, that was involved here, um, these stability uh, tests on the, uh, um, the vials of urine, there is a one in one thousand between a one in one thousand and a one in ten thousand chance that the vials are contaminated, not by um, external contamination but by um, yes. chemical reaction. But in order to prove whether that happened or not, they need to go back and test the old urine samples. That was six years earlier. They were they were gone. They would only they would have expired anyway after five weeks for this testing. So they they couldn't um, they couldn't prove one way or the other. So the court accepted that sliver of doubt, and right. Guardiola um, was, you know, he had his uh, sentences overturned. The anti-doping authorities in Italy were furious. They contested the judgment and they brought him back to court again. But uh, in two thousand and nine, Guardiola was again his name was was. Um, uh, was cleared, so he got out of that fix. But just Eamon, just finally to finish up on this guy, his, do- his personal doctor, um, Ramon um, Segura, he was also the personal doctor of um, Frank de Boer, an ex-teammate of Guardiola's yes. at Barca. He was, he was pre- um, sentenced for taking Landerlin seven months before Guardiola in 2001. Right. Um, several other players at this time, Edgar David, Japstam, Lowe's and tennis players, they've all gone out. And lastly, so that Guardiola gets cleared in 2009. He brings Dr. Ramon Segura back into the fold as a, as a doctor at Barca. The following season, Barca um, got fined 30,000 by the doping authorities because their players failed uh, to show up for doping tests. They had changed training um, uh, location at the last minute and they weren't there for these doping tests. So there's big, big clouds over all this, this, this uh, drug saga. Yes, now the final piece in this complex picture is uh, the 
Last February, the English Premier League announced it was investigating Manchester City for 115 breaches of its financial fair play regulations during the period 2009 to 2018, alleging that it inflated sponsorship deals and hid payments to players and coaches and agents. And according to Confidential Club Calculations, the club's owners, Sheikh Mansour, who saw the team play for the second time since he bought it in 2008 on Saturday night, he supplemented revenues by $1.1 during one four-year period. And documents from Football Leaks, which is a kind of WikiLeaks for sport and football in particular, which triggered the investigation, suggests that one of Guardiola's predecessors, Roberto Mancini, who I think won the Premier League at least once, he may have won it twice, was paid twice, once officially and once under the counter, under the table, as you say in Spain, while he was head coach. So there is evidence there, and the Premier League have been very, very slow to move. What did Guardiola say when he was asked about this? Because he was asked about it, I remember, at a press conference. Yeah, he was asked after an FA Cup final victory a few years ago, and he was um, appalled that he would be questioned about this on the day of a great victory. Um, he took fierce umbrage. Uh, he he, at the same time, he sidestepped um, the substance of the question. He didn't answer it. Afterwards, the journalist, uh, a journalist with Sky News, Rob Harris, he followed up with Man City uh, by text message. He asked them, um, well, what's the case here? Um, uh, does Guardiola have a similar contract set up as, as um, Roberto Mancini had? And Man City didn't even respond um, to the to the inquiry. And um, there's been like long, has there been a culture of under, under the table payments? I remember Cruyff here at Barca when he was coach, he, he had three contracts with the club. Um, so the, 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 these, um, payments off the books, payments, um, to players, coaches, agents at Manchester City, as you say, amount to huge figures. There's an extraordinary web of, um, of financial tra- transactions going on at, behind closed doors at Manchester City, according to um, the documents released by Football Leaks. Um, the image rights of players, we wonder how um, Man City have managed to stockpile such an expensive squad um, within fair play regulations. How are the, these players on the books for such um, small salaries? A lot of the, their image rights, then where's this money coming from? Um, there's one uh, Fordham sports image company that some of the payments have apparently um, originated from. Uh, Football Leagues has established that there's um, a link between this uh, company, a straw man company, a family trust, um, a British Virgin Islands company, which all um, goes back to Sheikh Mansour. He's the origin of the money in the, uh, right. to do with this image rights payments. Now, th- there is a, another a factor in this that interests me. He brought two former Barcelona executives to Manchester City when he arrived. One is Farhan Soriano. He's the CEO. He's City CEO. He's been there for years now. They stay well under the radar. And the other is the sporting director, Tixi Bigalistan. Tell me about those two gents, because they would know what's going on at executive level and where the money is going at Manchester City. 
Yeah, I mean, Pep and the, those two boys are great friends. Um, Begerestein was a teammate of Guardiola's on the on Cruyff's dream team in the 1990s. The three of them had a restaurant here in Papasek, a neighborhood at the foot of Mount Chewick here in the city. Um, taste, it's called. Um, so, Soriano, he know he's the CEO of the company. He knows where all the bodies are buried. Like these, uh, the documents that have been revealed by Football Leagues, for example, there's one email going from the CFO, um, who would be Soriano's right-hand man at executive level in the club, an email from him going to um, Khaldun, the chairman of the club, and he's asking, you. this was back in 2013 when Mancini was, Roberto Mancini was fired, they had to um, make a 9.9 million pound sterling payoff to him. They didn't have that money to meet their financial fair play regulations. So the CFO, Chief Financial Officer, he asks um, uh, 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 Pierce, who's a board director at Barca, by email, he says, is it okay to change these contracts from Etihad and other club sponsors? And uh, Pierce's response was, of course, we can do what we want. That That's become a chant now in the terraces at the Etihad uh, fuck, right. fuck the Premier League. We're Manchester yeah. City. We can cheat when we want to, and that's that's the culture that the Premier League is now ex- uh, investigating. Yes, and it should be pointed out in that Guardiola is very sanctimonious. You know, he's coming out saying in a press conference, uh, I think it was last month or about six weeks ago, giving out complaining about why is this investigation so long taking so long? Why don't they just make a judgment? I wish if it was to, tomorrow, better this afternoon. Yeah. Um, for this investigation has been going on for five years. It only came to light in, uh, publicly in, in February. Back in 2021, two years ago, a high court judge in um, England said he was deeply disturbed, uh, concerned for, for the public at how slow this case is taking. Man City right. have buried um, the Premier League's investigation in, pay, in pay, paperwork, blocking yes. every every move. Um, so it's, that's what's galling that kind of um, that kind of hypocrisy. Okay, Richard, it's a troubling, fascinating story, and the piece in the Irish Times last Saturday was really outstanding. And congratulations on that, and thank you very much indeed for joining us on the stand today. Richard Fitzpatrick is a regular contributor, and uh, we're very grateful to have him. We're very grateful to all of you for listening. I hope our football fans who heard John, Liam and I discuss uh, some of this football fair play stuff uh, when we were reviewing the match on Monday. This will give you more of an insight into what is happening in football and maybe to the team that you follow. They are now the champions of Europe, the champions of England and who knows where it will end. Thanks to all of you, and thanks to Richard. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.